Good morning, and welcome to O-Readers Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, December 10th. Today we are reading from the big book, Chapter 2, and we are at page 22, Paragraph 1. Today's readers are Sally A., Michelle H., Deb W., and Penny C. The reference number for Tuesday, December 9th, is 7096. That's 7096. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery to those who still suffer. Through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the, 12, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Anita L. I will now ask Anita P. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning all. Alita P. from Minnesota. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Alita P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 22, paragraph 1. I will ask Sally A. to begin reading. Thank you, Katie. This is Sally A., recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. This is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behavior patterns vary but this description should identify him roughly. Why does he behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, why is it he takes that one drink? Why can't he stay on the water wagon? What has become of the common sense and willpower that he still sometimes displays with respect to other matters. Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic 
reacts differently from normal people. We are not sure why. Once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. The riddle. Again, we've got more why questions this morning. And beginning with, this is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behavior patterns vary, but the description identifies us roughly. So if you can roughly identify in with what we've been reading, then perhaps you're one of us. Why does he behave like this? The questions that come at us from a lot of outside sources, but most importantly, we ask ourselves this question, how many times, why? And when I come to this sentence, if hundreds of experience have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all of the tough attendant suffering, one drink, it reminds me of my one bite of pizza. After five years of not touching sugar and flour, Five years, that's a long time. Did I go and get the one piece of pizza that I went to get? One piece of pizza leading to one bite of a piece of pizza that honest and truly led to a 110-pound weight gain over the course of the next 10 years. Now, granted, when I left that pizzeria with the one piece of pizza, it was about an hour or two hours later that on my way home from school that day, from nursing school, I stopped at another pizzeria and got two more pieces of pizza. So bottom line is a starting gun was was shot. It rang into the night that I had had a bite of a piece of pizza. And was it the allergy of my body that led me to have that one bite of pizza after five years of no sugar and no flour? Absolutely not. It was that I was restless, irritable, and discontent. It was that the mental obsession of my mind had not been resolved. I did not have, I had not learned at that time anything about doing 10 steps. I had no clue. And so one bite of pizza for me meant that I was returning to that old lover, that bad relationship that I had been in for so many years of my life on and off. I went back to that old lover food where I got beaten up again. And this time it was a harsh beating, 110 pounds. One bite led to 110 pounds. So one one drink means another debacle. The word debacle means in the big book dictionary, great disaster. Oh, that was a great disaster. 110 pounds added to anybody's body is a great disaster. Sudden and grave failure. In truth, I had gained about 60 pounds within one year. It was only with all of my wrestlings and struggling that I managed to struggle to keep it down to 40 more pounds and 50 more pounds in the coming years. And it goes on, great disaster, sudden and grave failure, collapse, and catastrophe. That about sums it up. That's the perfect word, debacle. We don't use that word anymore, and perhaps we should use it more in the year 2014. One drink means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation. And do you think it was a little humiliating to go from 137 pounds to 248 pounds rather quickly? Why did he take that one drink, that one bite? And that is the question that we all ask ourselves. Why is it we ask that we take that first bite? We cannot answer the riddle. Thanks for letting me share with that idea. Thank you, Sally A. Who would like to share on this? these uh, three paragraphs? Press star one to unmute. 
I'll share. This is Vasa. Okay, Vasa, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for your service, and good morning, uh, uh, Vision, for you. And I am Vasa, recovering compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And I remember when I was reading these two paragraphs, you know, I, I was thinking of the alcoholic over the years. I could not identify with the alcoholic until I started identifying with myself, my own food addiction. I mean, yes, I grew up with a lot of alcoholism, you know, especially at home, you know. And remember, I said, why? Why can't they just put this down, you know, and keep it down, you know? Well, they had a disease. But I could not recognize that disease till I started reading the big book, till I started, you know, understanding I have the same disease. I have the same compulsion as this person. You know, I have the allergy. And I remember my qualifier trying to stop, but they co- he couldn't. He couldn't. He did try, but he couldn't. But thank you, God, that he brought me into Overeaters Anonymous and the big book. And I could identify and I could have a compassion now for this person instead of resenting and being angry at them. And, uh, and again, you know, I tried all these different things many times, many times. And I asked myself, why can't you just put the food down and keep it down? Well, I didn't understand the allergy. I didn't understand. Well, I knew I had the mental obsession, but I thought, well, that's everybody has that that struggles with food addiction. But I didn't know that something can be done about it, you know. And again, I I prayed to God before I found the program, and God brought led me into the program. Uh, what I had learned here uh, about the allergy, and and not to even ask any more questions, and just to do the process the way it's laid out. And and I remember feeling the pain and the suffering. I didn't want to be in that pain and suffering. And I remember even going through the emotional part. My sponsor said, no matter what, no matter, you don't eat over it, no matter. And I've gone through so much. I've had four deaths from recovery. You know, I've had a son with cancer. He was going through. I have been sick myself. But no matter what, no matter what, it's just so programmed in my head. No matter what, no matter what, go to God to give you the strength, to give you the courage to deal with whatever you're going through. And that's my story. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Who else would like to share on these paragraphs? Lisa? This is Larry. Okay, Lisa. Lisa, Larry. Anyone else? Yes. Um, my name is Lisa. And Leia. I'm... And Leia. Okay. Lisa, Larry, Leia. Go ahead, Lisa. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Uh, my name is Lisa, and I am a compulsive eater from Massachusetts. And... Um, it's interesting when I, you know, I've read the big book a few times, and I don't know, for some reason, this one, this paragraph, I related to it so much recently because I was definitely one of those people who, you know, I didn't want to eat, and somehow I would be at the refrigerator wondering, how did I get here? I didn't even want to do this. My mind thinks, I don't even want to do this. Why am I standing here? Why am I putting my hand on this food? Why am I putting it in my mouth? 
and I just I didn't understand it at all. It, it's like you know, it's like an old lover or something that no good for me. That I you know keep going back and saying, oh, I'm going to give him one more chance, and you know he'll be good this time, and you know, and people saying, don't do it, Lisa. Don't go back to this person. He's no good for you. But I go back anyway, and I get hurt and. You know, three months later, I'm, oh, I try to get, it's like, it's just crazy, but I don't know why I do it. And um, it's because I am a compulsive overeater and I have an allergy of the body and, and a compulsion of the mind. That's why. It's the only thing I need to know right now. And um, the rest will come to me as we go through, why I go through this process and why, and, and while I listen to everybody talk and read and I listen along and I just learned so much from uh, this meeting and and uh, I appreciate everybody's help, help and um, with that investment. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, Larry, your turn. Thanks so much. Uh, Larry recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Larry Kay. Um, so why do I do it, you know? Um, I've had hundreds of experiences. I didn't know what I, what I was up against. Um, you know, each time that we engage in this behavior, you know, it, it, I was baffled. I was just absolutely baffled. It made no sense to me. And you know, I, and I wasn't um, I wasn't a stupid individual. You know, um, I could you know I could remember some things. I could I could learn a couple things here or there, but I, I just couldn't wrap my brain around this and. When I was presented, you know, with the doctor's opinion, um, you know, that, that kind of laid out uh, what I was up against here, the problem. Didn't talk, you know, so much about the solution yet. I would learn more about that. But, it, you know, I love where it talks about, boy, this hit me right between the eyes, you know. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience that sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity, you know, without consequence. And it goes on, you know, again and again, over and over. You know, unless I could have a complete and total personality change, that I would have new ideas, new thinking. Because, you know, my behavior is always going to follow my thinking. I will never, I, my, my, my behavior is always, you know, a result, of my, a, a result of my thinking. And now my thinking is different. So, of course, my behavior is different. But as long as I was going to be the same guy with the same thoughts, Groundhog Day, right? Like the movie, day after day, same thing. Binge, go to bed, wake up, you know, uh, you know, just absolutely in that food fog, feeling horrible about myself. Then nothing was ever going to change. But God would change me. And by, you know, immersing myself in this process without uh, too, being too concerned about the outcome, you know, I would not effectuate my spiritual transformation. That would be done to me. But I had to immerse myself in this process. And when I did, 
holy moly, man, this, this, this thing really changed me, and I'm a different person today. Thank God. And now all I have to do is remain in fit spiritual condition. Easier said than done. It's not too challenging. Not too challenging to do that. Thank God for this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Okay, Larry. I mean, Larry. Leia. Thanks so much, Katie. This is Leia M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Why does he behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, why does he take one drink? And, you know, our disease is described as cunning, baffling, and powerful, and indeed it was. You know, uh, what was wrong with my mind? Why was I not responding to humiliation? Why wasn't I learning from the consequences of my behavior? I mean, I had stopped thousands of times. Why couldn't I stay stopped? You know, I'm not a stupid person. I'm not the sharpest uh, knife in the drawer, but, you know, I have a decent memory. You know, binge foods had burned me over and over and over and over and over again. But for some strange, peculiar reason, left to my own devices, left to my own resources, I could not remember what compulsive overeating did to me. All I would think about was what it was going to do for me. I couldn't remember the tears of the night before. I couldn't remember the humiliation. I couldn't remember the shame. I couldn't remember the discussions of divorce with my loving husband. The only thing I can remember is that sense of ease and comfort I'm going to get when I dig my fist into a cellophane bag. You know, and yes, I would sit on a couch for years and try to understand why I was a compulsive overeater. How did I get to be a compulsive overeater? And you know what? I don't know. But I don't have time. I didn't have time to figure out how I got to be a compulsive overeater because this is not about medical science or psychology. This is not about Freudian concepts. We don't have time to figure out, you know, how I got to be one because the chances are I was going to die during the, the investigation, you know, and that was the cunning, baffling, powerful nature of this disease is why was I not responding to the consequences, responding to humiliation, responding to the shame? Why could I not connect the dots? Why did I have capabilities and strengths in other areas, but in this, my mind was defective. It was inherently flawed. I was suffering from this obsession which would dominate me, and I could not conquer it on my own. But what if I could find a way to live where my mind wasn't going to lock on that sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by eating that food of mine? And that process is called recovery, and that's what the steps are all about. And that's why, why we gather every morning is to study and to learn this program of recovery so that obsession of the mind can finally be driven out as it was for me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Leah, who else would like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Suji. Okay, Suji, go ahead. Hi, it's Suji with much less laryngitis. Thank you, Hoovy, God, and uh, grateful, recovered in southeastern Pennsylvania. So here we are. This is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behavior patterns vary 
but this description should identify him roughly. And what what I'm seeing here, and I'll try to relate it just a little to to this uh, current experience of ours and my family. Um, here's the disease being described, and and there's two aspects to our disease. There there's its chronicity, which we very effectively deny as it develops, until we're we're forced to take a good hard look at it and to admit yes. I'm powerless over food, which means putting down the food um, because it's hypocritical. Otherwise, I can't take an honest look at it if I don't do that. So I have to have to do that. And and when I start to do it, I can start to read this chapter and relate to it that that this is it's a chronic disease. Stop denying that. I have it. I'm a compulsive eater. And what I need to do with it is to stop practicing it, to, to, to do something to quit having the latest of the acute episodes. And, and that's the step work. That, that's the, the stuff that, that allows a whole paradigm shift for me of what, what it is that's really going to help me, that, that it's not me. Super Sue, I'm not it. it. It's a higher power. It's a power greater than myself. It's it's something that's going to work on me and help me when I accept that I'm having an acute episode. And so I need to slow down and listen. And that's the gift that Hoovy, that's Holy One of Blessing, my, my higher power gave me with laryngitis for a week. I've been listening. And, and I've been listening to a person I'm married to who has the acute disease of cancer and who's very beautifully accepting the treatment. And one thing that's happened is he's had this total paradigm shift and he's realized what a pest I am when I start to emotionally binge, which is a predecessor of food binging. So thank you, husband, for noticing that I'm a pain in the neck when I emotionally binge and for telling me to stop. That's what he's learning. And and so I'm thanking God for this awful disease that he has too. So so I don't know. That's the latest laugh in my department and thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Sue G. And I would like to share on these paragraphs. Um you know, I'm Katie after we covered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And if we could solve that riddle, then, you know, we would be bazillionaires and we would not have to continue to uh, come to this uh, line every day. Uh, if if this was just about a temporary respite where we, you know, we lose the weight and we take these steps and then, you know, once we're done then we just go on with our lives without continuing to practice these principles and practice these steps in in our daily life, then, you know, it really wouldn't be any different than um, the latest diet that's out there. But that's not what this is about. Um, You know, as Sally A. said earlier, you know, if we are restless, irritable, and discontent, then the the allergy may not be... um, in play because we haven't eaten 
those foods in a really long time, but that mental obsession can creep back in. And that's why I have to daily um, commit my day and my time and my life to my higher power because um, otherwise it will come back. This is a progressive illness. And, you know, my own experience has, has proved that. I was in these rooms, and from the time I came to my first meeting to when I got abstinent um, years later, I weighed 70 pounds more than I do now. So, you know, that didn't happen because, um, you know, normal weight gain. That's a result of, of major binging. And people, you know, who are normal eaters, who are, you know, maybe just have a little problem with food, they're, they're pudgy. They're size 12. They're not, um, you know, on, on my size, my height, that would be overweight. Um, but, you know, I am a chronic, progressive, uh, low-bottom compulsive overeater, and I have to remember that every day or I will go back and I will do, um, I will pick up right where I left off. That is what, you know, people have proved to me over and over again. The people who leave these rooms do not have fun. They may get to eat their food for a little while and they uh, try things they've never had, but and eventually they are being dragged down by this disease. And I don't want that. I don't want that in my life today. And I'm so grateful that we have a solution and I don't have to try to answer that riddle. I don't have to spend time wondering why me, that that'll pass. Would anyone else like to share? Um, we will move on. Monica. Okay, Monica, and then I heard two other people, but I couldn't really hear uh, you. Carolyn. Okay, Ruth. Monica, Monica, Carolyn, and Ruth. Lonnie P. And Lonnie P. Okay, go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, why, why, why? Um, in that one particular paragraph, all these whys. You know, I spent decades wondering why. Why couldn't I do this? Decades, why? Uh, in tears, uh, hollering to God, um, my husband, uh, anybody who would listen to me, poor me. You know, why couldn't I do this? Um, I was successful in every other area of my life. Why can't I be successful with this food stuff? Why can't I be successful at keeping the weight off? I could take it off, but I couldn't keep it off. Why? Um, why did I keep doing all these same things over and over and over again? And you know what? We're the lucky ones. Us here on this, on this phone line this morning, what's the name of this chapter? There is a solution. And I was a lucky one that I somehow walked into the rooms of OA and I was told that I had a disease and it had a twofold effect. I had an allergy to certain foods and I had an obsession of the mind. I had an unhealthy way of thinking when it came to food and that was why. And I thank God that I have been lucky to be able to come into the rooms of OA and find out why. So I don't have to answer it anymore or try to answer it because 
no one can really fully understand 30 and back 75 years ago and neither today. But the more important is there's a solution. There's a way out of this. And it's so, okay, Monica, you know, you don't have to try to answer it anymore. Here's a way out. And this is a program of action. So the fact is I am a real compulsive overeater and there's a way out and it's called doing things, Monica, taking actions. Um, so everyone who's on the phone line this morning, much hope here. There is a way out of this. And you don't have to continue asking yourselves why, why, why. It's called start doing the steps, and you won't have to be in that pain and that misery any longer. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Carolyn, you're up. Hi, this is Carolyn S. from New York, a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I don't have to think very far back to the pain of, uh, of one more relapse. I um, Today's day two, and I had several days of being back in that place of misery where I could not stop eating, and it didn't even matter what, and just, you know, more and more and more, and the physical pain and the emotional pain and the tears and, you know... Um, I don't ask myself why anymore because it doesn't really matter um, to me. Um, what matters is the reality that I have it and I have to deal with it. And, um, you know, I just pray to God that this time I will be able to remember with sufficient force, um, you know, the memory of the, of the pain and humiliation and suffering. Um, today is day one. I'm incredibly grateful for that. I'm very, very humble because I am reminded yet again of just how powerless I am, how powerful this disease is, and how to fight it. Um, I need so much more power than I have, and the only way to get that power is through God. The only way for me to feel God is to work these steps and keep working them, and, um, you know, is relapse going to be a part of my life forever? Who knows, you know, but I really just need to focus on today and whatever small steps I can take in the right direction and uh, and be gentle and be grateful and um, try, you know, with God's help to remember, to remember why all this work is worth it. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. And the next one is... Ruth, press star to unmute. Hi, this is Ruth. I'm a powerless, low-bottom food addict in Florida. This is my first time to this meeting. I spoke with a friend who I previously knew in recovery. I've been in relapse, and she encouraged me to come to this phone meeting because the solution is here, and I've certainly been hearing it. And... My question to myself has been, how come I can't have the six years of recovery that I had back in 2003 with the 126-pound weight loss and um, my shining OA star? And so as I'm listening, I'm hearing that for me, what might have worked for physical recovery, emotion, some emotional recovery, but I was really lacking the spiritual recovery 
being hyper-functioning and swinging from active food addiction um, to a full-time job of 12-step recovery um, and service, for me, um, that was just another addiction. And it didn't get me as spiritually fit as I needed to be, and I've been in relapse for five years. And so now, having learned that the actions that are necessary for me is balance and needing to pay attention to daily actions in times of everything that's going on in my life. I'm looking forward to more of what will be shared here um, and maybe have a new beginning uh, in my relationship with OA where I'm able to take actions necessary that will have a sense of ease and comfort um, that the food um, that I've looked for in the food and that the food will get put down and the steps and the spiritual principles will infiltrate me in a way that gives me that spiritual fitness uh, with the tools of OA. So thank you. I pass. Thank you. Okay, Lonnie P., you're up. Anita L. Hi, everybody. This is Lonnie P., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Florida. Um, So much has already been said, but you know, um, I'm insane, you know, I'm a crazy person and, you know, for so many years and multiple relapses, basically, you know, as has been said before, what's been said before me is that I wasn't living the steps. I was working the steps and then saying I'm done, you know, and then life would happen and I wasn't going back to really what the steps tell me to do as I go throughout my day every day and little by little, it's like, you know, that thought would occur and, and I would do something, you know, I would eat something that, that I ought not eat. So, you know, and today I still need to be reminded, you know, um, situations occur every day and, you know, and thank God for, you know, the other recovered people on this line that I've met and locally that I can call to to work a 10-step with and to be reminded to do a turnaround so that I can get out of my head and help somebody else, you know. So for the longest time, you know, I'm in program for about seven years. Um, I wasn't doing any of that. I wasn't living in 10, 11, and 12. And, you know, anything uncomfortable in, in life that would happen, and certainly it happens all the time, you know, um, I would want to eat because I wouldn't want to feel those feelings, you know. I wouldn't want to be uncomfortable. Um, And I was also, the other big thing for me is trying to run the show, you know. And and that happens for me a lot where I'm I'm forgetting or I'm just not relying on my higher power, you know. And I'm thinking that I have to do this, this, and that in order to make this, this, and that happen, you know, typically in my workplace, but certainly in, in other situations as well, and and I have to read pages 84 through 88 in a big book every day, 
You know, I have to be reminded. And and how many times do I still forget, like, when I'm agitated or doubtful to to remind myself that I'm not running the show and to say throughout the day, thy will be done. So those are the things that keep me out of the food. And if I'm not doing that due diligence, then life will definitely put me back in the food because I quickly forget, as everyone else has said, you know, what that does to me when I pick up that first compulsive bite and set off the allergy. So thank you so much for letting me share. And with that, I pass. Okay, I'm going to ask Michelle H. to please uh, read the next paragraph. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink as much as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens, both in the bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. And, um, you know, this paragraph is, is pretty much, you know, confirming what we're what we've read in the previous paragraphs and what what you know what people are sharing is that I do have this twofold illness. Um, it doesn't matter how many years or months I stay away from the substance. I'm you know I okay I may seem like I'm reacting like other men as, or women as long as I stay away from my substance. Um, but there's still something going on. There's that twofold that second part of that disease, not not just the physical allergy, but the that mental obsession, my mind. Um, we've already it's already been said there's something wrong with my mind that causes me to forget all the pain that when I was in the midst of I swore that I would never do this again because it was so painful. And and why wouldn't the pain uh, you know be embedded in my memory so that I wouldn't forget? And so and they go on to say they're equally positive that. You know, when when this substance is taken in, there's something that happens both in the body and mind. It's affecting me, body and mind, and and we know that today, and that it makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. And and that's, you know, that's my experience. That's the experience of every alcoholic. That's the experience of every real compulsive overeater, and it's due to, um, you know, the mental obsession that even though I've put the food down, um, even though I'm abstinent, that is not enough. And, um, you know, I'm I'm thinking about how I'm hearing other shares on this line, and, um, you know, it's the desperation that and the pain that brought me to this program that opened my mind up so that I could hear this message and could hear the hope. And there was so much hope that was brought to me four years ago when this big book was opened up for me. And I know we all have our favorite paragraphs and, and things that bring us our aha moments. And when I when I was saw the readings for the, today, the paragraph that you know, was brought back into my memory that was such a, a comfort and, you know, mind an aha experience for me was at the bottom of page 43. You know, it says, it says again, once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no 
effective mental defense against the first drink, except in rare, a few rare cases. Well, I, I never had any of those few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. And that was, you know, an aha moment, like, well, oh, my gosh, I don't have, there's nothing in my mind that can be a defense against that first compulsive bite. Um, but the great hope is, like it's already been said, there is a solution, and it's right here in this chapter, that I, you know, I, I can't rely on anything human. Um, I can't rely on my own mind, but I can rely on a power greater than myself, and that is the great truth for us today. That is the solution, and, and that's what happened to me. But I had to know what my problem was, and my problem was I was truly, truly powerless not only the physical allergy, but then once the food debt was down, I had no mental defense either um, until, until you know, I was brought through these steps and guided through these steps by a recovered compulsive overeater who told me that once she had followed the directions as written and given in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, she was recovered one day at a time. She had the contingency plan that as long as she remained spiritually fit one day, she had this daily reprieve and staying close and aligned with my higher power, um, you know, brings me a defense that I alone don't have. I am without a defense. And, and that was the paragraph for me that convinced me that without a doubt I was truly, truly, as some people say, screwed, you know, um, because why else? If I, don't, if I think that I have one, one ounce of power left, why would I turn? a power greater than myself. Today I know I am powerless. Today I know there is a source of power, that there is help and there is hope. And um, now I can, you know, and it's absolutely confirmed by, by recovered compulsive overeaters. In the same way that my experience um, in talking with other real compulsive overeaters will confirm that, you know, I, I can't stop once I start and once I stop, I can't stay stopped, and I need this program. I need compulsive over. I need, excuse me, Overeaters Anonymous. I need the directions in this big book. Uh, thank you. Hello, this is Rachel. Sarah W. Paula D. Okay, Raquel. Anita L. Yeah, Anita L. You're going to be first because I. Um, because you had had chimed in late on the last row. Uh, sorry, I can't talk. Um, okay, Anita L, Raquel, and now I forgot who were the other two. Uh, Paula, and who? Someone. One more. Okay, Sarah we'll go w. with Anita. Oh, Sarah W. I knew someone. Okay, <clears throat> so Anita L, Raquel, Paula, and Sarah W. Paula D. Okay, thank you. Okay, hi. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia, recovered for today. Uh, you know, I ask myself all those questions. Why? Why me? Why can't I uh, stay stopped? Why am I such a failure when it comes to losing weight? Um and the answer for me is, since coming to Overeaters Anonymous, 
I've learned that I have a disease of the body and the mind. And um, since listening to this phone meeting, I can't explain. You know, I just, it's just really strange why it's clicked for me. After all the years in the face-to-face meetings, even though I still go to four face-to-face meetings a week, but listening to these recovered people, one after the other, giving the solution from uh, the way it's worked in their lives, helped me to understand the fact it doesn't matter why. The point is, I cannot eat like, uh, quote, normal eaters, because my body reacts differently when it comes to certain foods, my trigger foods, and, you know, uh, and volume. Volume is a huge thing, as is fat, sugar, flour, salt, crunchy, you know, picky foods. I can't eat any of them safely. Safely meaning I can't stop on my own. And so I luckily learned way back in the beginning when I first came to OA decades ago that only a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And I'm so grateful that I do know that. And now I've learned um, this past year since working the 12 steps and becoming recovered that it's my responsibility now that I know about my disease it's my responsibility to carry this message and for me to be the message to attract others to want what I've been given my higher power has given me such a beautiful life and the most uh, important aspect of this life is that I am today a free woman. And what does that mean? That means I can go anywhere, anywhere on this earth, and I cannot uh, where, and I don't have to worry about being drawn to the food because I've been given that daily reprieve where the food is neutral now in my life and I know what foods I have to eat and what I can't like yesterday I went to a holiday party I brought my food with me and I didn't eat until two hours after I got there thank you with that I'll pass thank you Uh, Raquel you're up Hello, this is Raquel from Israel. Thank you so much for the facilitator. Is it Kathy who is facilitating yes. now? Thank you from the Katie. depth of my mm-hmm. heart. And to all my dear friends, my family out there, I'm going, uh, I'm going through a, a testing time, and I'm so grateful to God that I know in my innermost self, I, I don't even know how to call myself, well on my way to being recovered, okay? Let's say that this is it. In two days, I'll have six years of abstinence, and thanks to, to Vision for You, and thank, thank you to some friends together with me here who are listening. And I, I am 
God was merciful enough to wait to test me at this point and not earlier that I understand these two paragraphs to to deepen my conviction um, that my brother, my oldest brother is sick now and stayed in the hospital with him for some time and that my friends told me, you better get out of there because you are risking your life. And that's how it is. Too many vending machines around. It is wonderful that I have a daily reprieve, but I can only test it that far. It's the quality of the recovery. All I have with all this abstinence, clean abstinence, very strict, is all I have is just a foot in the door. Now I have a chance of recovering. Some good things are already happening in that that area, but I sure will not risk at this point to go back there or to go to his home, his home already, and stay for a week with my poor sister-in-law and help her because if I risk that and if something happens to me with the abstinence, I know what will happen. I will be this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and then I'll be no good for nobody. So I, I thank you so much for being there for me and all the wonderful sharing, and I will humble myself and go to visit for short visits now and stay home and keep my nose to the grindstone and keep on listening and keep on listening to good friends who who hear me and know that um, it's time to pull away and to do what I need to do for myself because this is very, very precious, very precious and very frail still. And I'm grateful to you all there and to the Almighty God who waited until this point, two days before this important date, to to test me, and He wouldn't have tested me. I know whether if He if He didn't know that, you know, by now I have a good, pretty good chance of of standing up to this test with all of you there around me. You are with me all day, and He is with me. And thank you so much. And the newcomers, just stick with it because it's worth it. There's nothing else that can save us. Thank you very much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much. And Paula, I'm sorry if you could uh, share quickly. And then Sarah W., I'm going to have to ask you to um, wait till the after meeting for the second hour. First, thank you, Kate G., and I will be quick. And even though there's a lifetime here, but my name is Paula D., I am a compulsive reader recovered by the grace of God, and I'm just going to go down to the bottom of the page, and there's a comma there, and there's another comma. I usually take a sentence, but I'm going to tell you what in, in between this comma is where I'm going to stay. Something happens. Something happens in that comma. Look at what it says. Comma means thus. And then it goes on, both in the body and the mental sense. What am I going to fight this with? In the body and the mind? What else have I got left? I had nothing left to fight it with. And then it goes on, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. And I will tell you, this is the runaway train. You think you're going to stop it? What are you going to put in front of it? There is nothing I had that could stop it. Something happened. Razor blades going through my blood system. I don't know what you want to call it. 
but I was driven, and driven I was. And I love, and I'm going to end here, because I was given a time. Here I've learned discipline. The experience of any alcoholic, ask anyone, anybody on this line who's lived there, has been there, is no longer there, of any alcoholic, will abundantly, and there it is, and that's what I'm going to end with, confirm this. (laughs) There the truth spoken. Thank you for allowing me to share. Much appreciated. And with that, I do pass. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Deb W. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Deb W., Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away wreckage of your past. Give free of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.